When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. You're listening to episode six of This Is Not A Backup Plan. And this week, I'm interviewing my friend Riley Messina about starting a new hobby as an adult and about what it was like for her to start a creative business. Riley is a fiber artist and shares so many cool projects on Instagram. And she also teaches people how to do fiber art through YouTube videos and other resources that she offers online. I'm so excited for you to hear about Riley's journey through fiber art and how it led to her starting a creative business. And I hope that it sparks some inspiration for you. Riley, thank you so much for being here today. I'm super excited to chat with you. To get started, do you mind just giving a brief introduction of yourself? I am a fiber artist. I'm in my mid-20s. I didn't pick up fiber art until like later on in my life and I love it. So I own my own creative business where I sell knitting patterns and crochet patterns and teach people how to knit as well as crochet and spin their own yarn. And I've found a lot of joy in doing that. That's so cool. So just to get started, you mentioned that you started doing fiber art later. And so I'd love to know a little bit about when it was that you decided this is interesting and I want to give it a try. When I was getting my undergraduate degree, I was incredibly stressed out. And so I happened to just pick up crocheting. So my roommates all started crocheting one winter. They were crocheting Christmas gifts. And it's not like they were crocheting all the time. It's just that one time. So I had them teach me. Then the next year, I picked it up again in the winter and started making blankets. I did that all through college. And then when I was graduating, I was like, you know what? I actually really enjoy this. I wouldn't mind trying to design some of my own patterns. After I graduated, I tried starting my business, my first business that was centered on crochet, which failed. That's the joy of starting creative businesses or businesses in general. You're going to have failures and some successes and stuff. But when I was doing that, I was also trying to network. So I went to a worldwide knit in public day at a local yarn store. And when I was there, everybody was knitting and they invited me to come back and take a class, which they offered for free. I had to buy the materials, but they taught for free. Then I learned how to knit and I fell in love with that. And so then I got a job at that yarn company for a little bit and learned even more about knitting and fell even more in love with it. And then from there, I began designing knitting patterns, started my second business, which is my current business, Arielli Knits. Last year during the pandemic, I was able to connect with some friends from that yarn store and they are spinners. They have spinning wheels and all of that 
type of stuff. And so I was Marco Poloing with them a lot. And I was like, you know what? That looks really interesting. Maybe I'll try it. I'm home all the time. So (laughs) that's how I got into spinning and it's just snowballed. That's so cool. What I really want to chat about just first is you touched on a few of these things, like the class you took and your roommates, but can you tell me about what the resources were you were using to learn this new skill? Yeah. So with crochet, mostly it really was just people in my life I was using as resources. I'm more of a visual learner. I learn a lot from pictures. So if there was a new stitch I wanted to use, I used Pinterest a ton. I would like Google crochet stitches, free crochet patterns, and then I just find things that kind of showed me pictures of step-by-step what they were doing. With knitting, I actually tried knitting once before I actually learned, and I tried using a YouTube video. And some people can learn from YouTube videos, and that's amazing. I teach people through YouTube, but not everybody. That's not the learning style for everybody. So I would highly recommend if anybody wants to try anything new, it doesn't have to be knitting, but anything new. If there is a local class or store that teaches classes or anything like that, where you can be with an instructor in person so they can see specifically what you're struggling with or maybe not spending as much time on things that you're just getting super easily. They're able to give you tips that really cater towards your level, which made learning knitting so much easier for me. I wasn't able to pick it up until I took the in-person class because they were able to give me just one small tip. If you crochet before you knit, you should learn how to knit continental, which is holding the yarn in your left hand instead of your right hand. That's something that like a YouTube video, the person recording didn't even think of that. I would love to talk a little bit then about getting started with supplies. Like what does the barrier to entry look like and what are things to consider if you're wanting to try out something like this? So getting started with like knitting or crochet, cost is always something to consider. And there's a bunch of different like levels of and different price points that you can enter the hobby with. So if you're starting knitting, you're going to need knitting needles and yarn and things like scissors to cut your yarn or stitch markers to keep track of where you're at. And with knitting and crochet, like depending on your project, you're going to need different sizes of needles or hooks. You don't have to purchase all up front or anything like that, but they sell yarn at a lot of Dollar Trees. So you can range from paying a dollar for some yarn to a higher cost if you go to a local yarn store and are getting like natural fibers. And the cost really just reflects the whole process and all the people along the way that you're paying them for their work, like the ranchers and the people at the mill and then the people at the store. Knitting and crochet materials are pretty easily accessible. A lot of us have a Walmart or a Joanne or a Michaels in our neighborhood. And so it's really easy to find the materials that we need. Joanne and Michael are always having a sale. I'm a huge bargain shopper, so I'm talking a lot about that. But with spinning, that's something that you're not going to see if you go to just your neighborhood craft store. And so the best way I would say to find materials to get started, Etsy is a great option if you don't already follow businesses on Instagram or Facebook that sell them. I'm going to plug myself a little bit here. I sell beginning spinning kits. And then I also have a class on YouTube for learning how to spin. Google is a great resource when you want to learn something new. Like I was saying, if videos aren't great for you to learn, like people have blog posts, you can Google search any classes in your area. Yeah. So getting the materials Thanks to the internet and shipping isn't too bad for any of these. 
And I feel like I've even found yarn at the thrift store, like on lucky days, like not always as many choices, but sometimes I've found colors that are really fun. And that can be perfect if you're like, I just need to learn these stitches. I don't need something that I'm keeping at the end of this project. Yeah, exactly. Or like a lot of people like estate sales or my aunt actually just gave me a bunch of yarn this past summer because she bought a lot at somebody's estate sale and it happened to have the woman's yarn in it. And she's like, I'm not going to do anything with this. So here, have it. That's so much fun. So anytime you're trying something new, I feel like we have this voice in our head that's like, you're doing a bad job or like you won't figure this out. Or sometimes as adults, I feel like we're a little bit done with being willing to be beginners. Like kids are really good at like being bad at everything because that's what being a kid is. And so they try everything. But sometimes as adults, I think we feel like I can't be a beginner anymore. I'm just curious, what do you tell that voice in your head? And what has helped you be like willing to try so many different things? Because I know just hearing from what you're saying, I'm sure there's been a lot of failure and there's been a lot of repeated trying to make these things to work and to learn them. It's just like everybody, it's really hit or miss because I still have that voice in my head. Don't do it. You're going to fail. You're going to fail and it's not going to be fun. Like you failed in the past and it wasn't fun because you don't really, when you're a kid, you haven't, like you were saying, you haven't had that experience of failing that much. So you're more willing to fail. But what I tell that voice is this looks like fun. I think a big part of it is focusing more on the fun of it for me than focusing on the fact that I might fail and I might not be good. With spinning, I was horrible when I first started. Absolutely horrible. My first blanket I ever crocheted, like I didn't go up a row. So it was like, comes in and out like this. And it's really not great. But if I can just set aside this fact that my end product isn't going to be perfect and just for a moment enjoy what I'm doing and the process of it, that's made learning a lot easier when I can make the conscious decision because I have to make a conscious decision to try and enjoy the process as opposed to enjoying what it's going to look like at the end. The process can also be frustrating. I highly recommend like allowing yourself to take a break. It's not wrong if you step away from it for a couple days and then try again. I've stepped away for a few months and tried again. (laughs) It's really just telling that voice. I just want to have fun. (laughs) I love what you mentioned about enjoying the process because sometimes I feel like I'm so results focused that I forget that there's a benefit to an experience. I'd be curious, what does the process of fiber art do for you? When I first started doing crocheting, it was because I saw my roommates doing it. But when I picked it up a year later, it was because I was really stressed and depressed and anxious at that time. And so the process of crocheting helped me meditate a little bit. I'm a type of person, it's really hard for me to sit still. And I remember just, for example, going to sacrament meeting and sitting in church, like I'd want to be there and I'd want to be listening, but then I would be so anxious and it would be so hard for me. Sometimes I would have to get up and leave because I was so anxious. And so when I started like bringing my projects and doing it, I was able to actually stay for the whole lessons and I was actually able to pay attention just because it was something that my hands were doing and it was calming me down. Like what that looks like in my life now is if I'm in a waiting room, I'll bring a small project. I'll be knitting on a sock while I'm in waiting rooms. Watching a movie with somebody and it's stressing me out, I will pick up my project and I'll start working on it because I want to still watch the movie with them, but I'm getting way too stressed out. I feel like a lot of people that I've met in the 
fiber arts community have the same experience. Like it just helps people calm down and just breathe for a second. Do you feel like trying out crochet and knitting and spinning, has it made you more willing to be a beginner in other areas of your life? Has it helped you with being willing to say, maybe I'm not good at this now, but actually I probably could learn this? I think yes and no. In times when I'm trying new things one after another without giving myself time to think, if I'm a beginner in a bunch of things at once, I'm pretty okay. If it's like, for example, now I'm trying a new thing, I'm trying to get a new professional certification and I'm terrified of failing it. It's really difficult. It's really scary. And it's been a while since I've tried something new. However, I have seen from like past experiences that, yeah, maybe it's not going to be smooth sailing at first, but it's worth it to at least try because when I first tried knitting and when I first tried spinning, I quit. I said, this isn't for me. And then a few months later when I tried again, I was like, I'm so glad I tried again because this is my life. Like my life revolves around these crafts now. And I think just having that past experience, that helps me want to keep trying new things and being more willing to have a beginner's mind because I know that some of the best things in my life that I enjoy so much, I'm able to enjoy them now because I didn't give up and because I did try again. And so in the moment, I'm still frustrated as a beginner and I still want to quit, but I'm more willing to pick it up again and try again. That actually transitions really well. I wanted to ask you, so you mentioned, and I didn't realize this, you mentioned like the first creative business you tried with your fibers art. It was not a success. It was that second try that's the business you have now. So I'd be really curious to know a little bit about what was it that made you want to take the hobby you were learning and to put energy towards having a creative business? That's a good question. That's something I'm still trying to figure out. Honestly, I've had my second business now for, it will be three years this next year, but I knew how much fiber arts had changed my life and I wanted to share that with other people. And I wanted to be able to, like cautionary tale, turning your hobby into a business, (laughs) it's rewarding and very challenging. Sometimes you never want to touch your hobby again because it is work. But again, through trial and error, I've been able to find a balance. But yeah, that first business, I didn't love the name. I had a blog and uh, a website and everything and I just, it just didn't do well. And then I learned some things and tried again. I think the first time I was kind of like, okay, I just really want to, people will say, oh, you could make money selling stuff you crochet. And people do make money selling things they crochet. But I think a lot of people who have knit or crocheted or sewn and had people tell them that and then try it. And then they realize a lot of people who told them that don't actually want to buy the things that they're making. (laughs) It's a pretty common theme. So I first started trying to sell those things and I realized that's what it was. And I was going to have to learn a lot more and expand my horizons. So when I started my second business, I had a little bit more clarity on what I wanted to do. I'm still figuring it out, honestly. It's still trial and error. It's still like in the baby phases, I feel like, even though it's almost three years because I'm a slow mover. Was that shift then from the first business was just trying to sell the end good? And is the second business a little bit more like teaching or selling people items to do the project like patterns or starter kits? Is that one of the main shifts? Yeah, that's one of the main shifts. Actually, when I first started my second business, the biggest shift was I was going to focus on designing patterns for people. And then last year, my business went through a big transformation with 
wanting to focus more on the education and the selling of educational materials, which I realized like that's what I get the most joy from. I really enjoy teaching people things and sharing these passions and making it easier for people to start it and like sharing knowledge I wish had been explained to me when I first started because I think that everybody has something unique to add to the conversation. Like there's so many beginning knitting videos on YouTube, but I'm able to say something that maybe another person didn't think to say, or I've watched so many videos and some of the videos say the exact same thing, but one person presents the information in a unique way. And so that's something that I really love, but yes, long answer to your question. Yeah, that was one of the main shifts. I feel like that's very wise and I totally get what you're saying when people are like, you should sell that. I like to make baby blankets when I go to showers because I think it's fun to bring something homemade and I do just the simple like two-piece flannel blanket. So supplies are like under $10 and it takes me two hours to make. So like great gift. To sell that and make a profit, you're looking at selling each blanket for $30 or $40. And people don't understand how much it does to take these things that you have to keep doing over and over again. Like that's hard to like actually have a whole business that's based on making an item and selling it over and over again. Yeah, it is. It's also really discouraging when you make something and you try to price it in a way where you're paying yourself for your time and materials. But you're also like, oh, what if people don't want to spend that much? And a lot of people will tell you like, oh, that's too much. And that's disheartening. So like my thought going into it was like, okay, so if I try to sell a physical item and somebody says, oh, that's too much, then I'll be like, or you could pay this much and make it yourself and have another option for people who want to try and do it. That's a really cool idea. And I I love that. And it's also, it makes it scalable for you. You can create something that then can be sold over and over again, where one sweater can only be sold once. I think one of the funnest things about learning a skill, whatever level you you learn it at, because like you are knitting amazing sweaters and I'll make sure to link to your Instagram so people can sell that. And that's not where my handmade skills are at. But there's just something nice, I think, with opening a gift and knowing that someone like loved you enough to like pick out these materials and make t- and do the time for it. And that's, I think, a really fun thing with gifting and with sharing things that if you try out a hobby like this, that you have the opportunity to do. That's actually something that I've been talking quite a bit about lately. Like when you're giving somebody a handmade gift or if you're receiving a handmade gift, it's not necessarily the gift. Like people are gifting you their time and it's really special. Are there other things you'd want to share? I wish they would have told me or maybe people did tell me, but I wish I would have listened to do it in a way that you love and feel good about. I was focusing so much when I first started designing on designing things that I thought people would buy as opposed to designing things that I wanted to make. And as I changed my mindset and started designing things that I wanted to make, I found more success. And as I started selling products I was excited and passionate about, it was easier for me to sell those products. And so that's something I wish I would have listened to. (laughs) I would also probably say to don't be afraid to jump into a new community. I think that's something that keeps me from doing a lot of things is I'm afraid not just of the new skill, but like of having to meet new people and find a new social group surrounding skills and things like that. I was so nervous when I went to the Worldwide in Public event because I wasn't going to know anybody there. I was going alone and I was able to meet some of 
the best friends that I have today. It was only because I put myself out there. It was so uncomfortable. I was constantly feeling like people were judging me, but put yourself out there. It's uncomfortable, but it really is worth it. Something that I've noticed a lot from like what you've shared is even though I know that it's still challenging because creative businesses always are. It seems like things worked out better in your creative business when you started focusing on how you were unique, whether it was like the items that you wanted to sell or what you could bring as a teacher, rather than focusing on what you thought people wanted. Do you feel like that has been a key in how you've been able to have more success the second time around? Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, I did an ego thing. I asked people to share what they liked about the business. And I think this is another thing. If anybody's starting a small creative business or has a small platform, you should ask this question because it's actually really cool to see what people like about what you have to offer because people see things that you might not see. Somebody said something about how they really like my personality and how it's unique to me, like what you were saying. And that was something that I was feeling pressured to take out of my business. But to have that and realize that this is why people are here because of the unique parts of me and parts of me, I feel like in a creative business, you really do have to put yourself in the work and you become part of your product that you're selling pretty much, which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. I respond to when I feel like somebody is showing their authentic self, somebody's unique. And yeah, I have found a lot more success since doing that. I love that. I've had so much fun hearing about like your knitting journey and your business. I just get to see the Instagram side. And so I didn't know all these behind the scenes about like why you were trying the different things. And I hadn't even realized that the business I follow was your second business. So I love hearing about like the trial and error. I think it's really comforting to know that we are like works in progress. Is there anything you want to add or that you want to include that we didn't get a chance to chat about? I just want to say everybody should pick up knitting or crocheting or spinning, like any sort of craft. If you want to do embroidery or anything like that, like it's so nice to have a creative outlet and a creative hobby. Like it really makes a huge difference. I just love too hearing about all the ways it's benefited you. Like it's been a way that you've made friends. It's been a way you've been able to try out having a business. It's been a way that you've been able to help soothe some of your anxiety. And I think that's a really powerful thing about like hobbies and outlets is that when you find something that fits, it can actually help with a lot of different things that might be important to you. So if people are wanting to follow you or see more of the resources and materials you offer, where are the best places to find you on the internet? So the best place is my website. It's E-R-I-E-L-I. So that's Arielle Knits, K-N-I-T-S dot com. And if you do the forward slash links, that's all my social media, everything that you can find. And it gives you a snapshot of what I have available. But I'm on Instagram and YouTube, and I'm on TikTok as well. My website is the best place to find me. I have free classes on YouTube to learn how to knit and crochet and spin and punch needle, and as well as in our shop, I mentioned before, I sell kits for if you want to learn how to spin or punch needle. Before we go, I've been admiring your sweater since people will be able to see that. It's very cute. It's navy and I think pink or purple. It's two-tone. I, I don't know if that's the right word. Is it one that you made? Yeah, so this, this sweater I'm wearing, I did make it. Yeah, it's a 
color blocked like it's blue on the bottom and pink on the top and then the cuffs and hem are also pink but yeah i made this earlier this year it was a lot of fun i love it and if you want to see more cute sweaters made by riley her instagram is a really fun follow so thank you so much for your time today this was so delightful yeah thank you so much for having me Thank you so much, Riley, for your time. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You can find me on social media. On Twitter, my handle is at Madeline K. And on Instagram, this podcast is at Not A Backup Plan. If you're enjoying what you're listening, please rate, review, share with a friend on social media. Getting the word out really helps. You can support this podcast on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And in the show notes, you'll also find links to Riley's shop, as well as a transcript of this episode. I can't wait to have you back next time. And remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.